Today's story is about the origin of yoga. We'll see how Shiva, Parvati, and the Saptarishis were involved in creating and then spreading yoga. Welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast that will take you on a journey through the rich mythology, folklore and history of the Indian subcontinent. I am Narad Muni, the celestial storyteller and the original Time Lord. With my ability to travel through space and time, I can bring you fascinating stories of the past the present and the future. From the epic tales of the Mahabharata and Ramayana to the folk tales of the Panchatantra to stories of Akbar Birbal and Tanali Raman. I have a story for every occasion. The purpose of the stories is neither to pass judgment nor to indoctrinate. My goal is only to share these stories with people who may not have heard them before and to make them more entertaining for those who have. Some of you asked for a Shiva story and others wanted to talk about the origin of yoga. So, here we are. Before we begin the story, let me give you a little bit of context. In case you don't know who Shiva is. Shiva is part of the Holy Trinity in Indian mythology. He plays the role of destroyer of the universe. Brahma is its creator and Vishnu is its preserver. Vishnu acts as a kind of a balance between Brahma's creations and Shiva's annihilation. Not to toot my own horn too much, but Brahma is my dad. And I am Vishnu's number one fan and president for life of his fan club. And I'm friends with Shiva and his family. That last meant that I'd often visit Shiva's home on Mount Kailash in the Trans-Himalayan Kailash Range. And that's exactly what I was doing on the day that this story begins. I was chatting with Shiva and his wife Parvati in their home, which was on incredibly frigid Mount Kailash in the winter. You're right, Narad. It is incredibly frigid here on Mount Kailash especially in the winter, Parvati said. I ought to be surprised when Parvati reads my thoughts with such ease, but honestly, I'm not. She's an all-powerful goddess, and that means she knows everything, especially how her visitors are feeling. Well, 
Have you considered turning up the heat? I asked. My teeth were practically chattering from the cold. And I thought, if I didn't pour a cup of steaming hot tea down my throat quickly, my insides might freeze or something. Shiva was the one who replied, Well, you know how it is. I could do the Tandav. It will bring down lava rain. And that should make it warmer here. But the catch is, the universe might get wiped out. And it's a little bit ahead of schedule. The next apocalypse isn't due for a few centuries now. Best not, I said hurriedly. Then my dad will have to create the universe all over again. And he rather likes this one. He was telling me he's especially proud of his own work in crafting the rings of the planet Saturn. Be a shame if he had to start all over again. But tell me, how does it work for a god and goddess like you? What makes you immune to the cold? What's your secret? Nandi, the bull, who's also Shiva and Parvati's home security system, was the one who spoke. I'll tell you what's their secret. It's prayer, he said, and laughed out loud at his own remark. Parvati turned serious. You know, Narad, funnily enough, I asked the same question once, and Shiva taught me the answer. Simply put, it's yoga. Don't you mean yoga? I asked curiously. Nah, she said. That's the 21st century pronunciation. With us, who originated it, it's meant to be pronounced yoga. Of course, she was right. One of the side effects of being a time traveller is that you sometimes get your centuries mixed up and end up pronouncing things incorrectly. You might have noticed that at some point on the show. Parvati went on to explain that Shiva had taught her 84 asans or poses in yoga. In doing so, he had also become the universe's first yoga teacher or the Adi Guru. I told Shiva and Parvati that it made sense. I knew all about yoga, of course. Just like I knew about everything else with my unbounded universal knowledge. I had actually been a skeptic in the beginning. You see, I had a bit of a posture problem probably from all the time and space travelling. I hadn't believed that yoga could fix my posture, but I stand corrected, I said. Anyway, what I was interested in knowing from Shiva and Parvati was how exactly their secret had spread to humans. I mean, check out planet Earth in the 21st century. 
everyone seems to be doing yoga. There is an international day of yoga. YouTube is peppered with yoga instruction videos. There are many yoga studios in every major city. There are yoga themed clothes, there are yoga themed events. How did we go from Shiva and Parvati's private secret to all this? Parvati explained that things were going well after Shiva taught her the 84 poses. The two of them regularly practiced yoga for decades. You could say it was a long stretch. There came a point when Mount Kailash did not seem incredibly frigid after all, even in winters. Yoga would have stayed a secret, except that's when the Saptarishis visited. A quick sidebar here, in case you haven't heard of the term Saptarishi before. They are seven great rishis, or wise men. They have featured individually and collectively in many other stories, some of which we have covered before on this show. I've often called them the Hall of Fame Rishis. But one important fact that I might not have called out before Saptarishi membership is not fixed. Yes, there are always only seven of them. But who those seven Rishis are varies over time. In the current era, they are Vashisht, Kashyap, Atri, Jamadagni, Gautam, Vishwamitra, and Bharadvaj. These Saptarishi were wandering the mountains, looking for a place to meditate. Why the mountains, you ask? You could pray from anywhere, your local temple, your home. But there was a belief that you had to be literally somewhere up high in order to communicate with the gods and goddesses. And that belief was encouraged by the members of the ancient India Himalayan Tourism Board. They took out some full-page ads in ancient Indian newspapers. Maybe you saw them? The tagline was, Himalayas, the peak destination for your meditation Zenith. Anyway, that's what made mountains a popular destination. And that meant the Himalayas were getting rather crowded with people praying for immortality or some superpower or just inner peace. The Saptarishis passed the crowded Himalayas and reached the Kailash range in search of a place to meditate. Naturally, they chose the most impressive mountain they saw, Mount Kailash. They decided to scale it and meditate there for a few years, obviously not knowing that the mountaintop was already occupied. Shiva was there, doing his yoga routine. 
when you're constantly planning new and innovative ways of destroying the universe, yoga has a relaxing effect and it calms the mind. It was at this point that the Saptarishi wandered in. It wasn't rude of them to just wander into Shiva and Parvati's living room. Seeing as said living room is on top of a mountain and lacks doors, walls, doorbells, who's to say where the publicly accessible mountaintop ends and where the private living space begins? Oh, we're sorry. We didn't know this mountaintop was taken, Gautam said. But Vishwamitra was getting a little angry. It's just the same thing again and again. Just like the Himalayas. This is the fourth peak we have climbed, only to find that it's occupied. Now we have to go down the mountain for weeks and climb up another mountain. And that'll take a few more weeks. Why can't we just have a reservation system to deal with this? Like those little occupied signs in airplanes. Only we'd have them set up at the base of the mountain. It's ridiculous how we don't already have this. It was not a bad idea. But the other six rishis weren't thinking about that. They were thinking that it's best not to let Vishwamitra get angry. For reasons that we have seen before in episode 15. Some of the Saptarishis turned to look at Vashisht. If anyone could calm Vishwamitra down, it was Vashisht. Just as he had done in episode 15. Though it happened after a significant loss of life and property. But this time, Vishwamitra calmed down before Vashisht even said anything. Because that was the time Bharadvaj made an observation that this person meditating and doing all these intriguing poses looked like Shiva. They all realized that Bharadvaj was right. They stood there, transfixed, observing Shiva going through his yoga routine. At the conclusion of it, Shiva opened his eyes. Thankfully, only two of them. Well, gentlemen, you've been observing my yoga routine. What did you think? They all loved it and they were intrigued by it and they wanted to learn it. Could Shiva please teach them? But Shiva was reluctant. This knowledge was meant to be used well, for people to live well, to experience good health and so on. Not to make someone a YouTube celebrity, earning a few paise every time someone watched their video. The Saptarishi were on the whole good men, Shiva said, and they were doing good deeds all over the planet. Even if some of them were too quick to curse people. 
and had caused lots of destruction of life and property. Vishwamitra shuffled his feet nervously. Vashisht replied that that was all in the past. The point is that they were getting better now. There had been change and it had come from within. The Saptarishis continued to plead until finally Shiva agreed. If you're in the mood for low-quality puns, you could say he stretched a point or bent over backwards. It took a while to teach all seven rishis all 84 poses. None of the Saptarishis said so, but you could see some of them wince when Shiva explained the Durvas Asan. It must have hurt that the Rishi Durvas had an Asan or a pose named after him. Durvas wasn't a Saptarishi. His membership had been denied multiple times owing to his anger management problems. And before you point out that Vishwamitra had some anger issues as well, I'll just say that Durvas was in a different league altogether because he was petty as well. Shiva seemed to sense that. If it makes you feel better, there are a couple of asan names that are up for grabs. The two hands that shot up first were those of Vashisht and Bharadvaj. And that's why those two have asans named after them. But as Shiva assured the rest, they could always create their own asans and call them whatever they want. They just needed to file a patent for it. It seemed from their faces that they were going to do it too. And they did. But to you, listeners, you may not be aware of those other poses yet. They'll pop up at some point in your future. After that, of course, it was easy to see how yoga spread on earth. Each Saptarishi did all of the standard things you might expect of eminent scholars. They attended conferences, participated in panel discussions with other rishis, kings and common people. They taught guest lectures at universities they visited. They provided private tutoring to future kings and queens. And through all this, they spread the word. The word was yoga, but I guess in spreading it, it became yoga, as most people call it today. People bought into the promise that it might change their lives, even if that promise seemed a bit of a stretch. That's how yoga, or yoga, got to where it is today. That's it for this time. In the next episode, we'll do a story about the goddess of wealth. Lakshmi. We'll see what happens when a goddess gives in to temptation and plucks a flower that doesn't belong to her.
Spoiler alert, she becomes human for a while. Thank you for all the comments on social media and on Spotify's Q&A. I can't directly reply to the questions there, but I'll address them here on this show. First of all, let me say how touched I was to read all your messages of concern. Thank you, Vamsi, Rez, Rajul, Tanvi, Vaishnavi, and YSR. Yes, I did have a bit of a sore throat last week, but it feels a lot better now. I guess it goes to show that despite all my superpowers and universal knowledge, I'm unfortunately not immune to some less exciting things like a common cold. If you have any other comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you'd like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast or reply to the questions on Spotify's Q&A. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.